minds, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. Is there a part of you that wishes we were talking about the Beyonce movie this year? Possibly, but I haven't seen it yet. No, neither have I. That's so, the thing. It dropped like late last night. Apparently, yeah, like two at two o'clock in the morning yeah. or something like that. I'd go work like a schlub, <laughs> and I'm like, there, there's a there's a movie I could be watching right now. <laughs> Welcome to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 221 of the Matinee Cast. It's a movie loving podcast of my movie loving website, thematinee.ca. Your home for cinematic passion and perspective. The funny thing about doing this podcast is the formula I have created for myself, folks. A smart person would launch a podcast with a regular co-host, build rapport, <laughs> rhythms, inside jokes, and familiarity. I, dear listener, am not a smart person. I like to peel the labels off my canned goods, turn off my GPS, open a book without reading the jacket, and just live on the edge. So to bring it back to podcasting, I'm not always sure what it, what's coming when I bring people in to sit down with me. Sometimes I need to carry the load and steer the ship. Other times, the guests are so full of opinions, passion, and pure joy that I just lean back, let them do what they want, and enjoy the ride. Today's guest is one such soul, a woman I am so happy has come back for another slice because where she takes us is always a wonderful place. She is the host of Twitter series, Saturday Night Sci-Fi. She's also one of the co-hosts of the podcast, so here's what happened. We're back home in uh, Casa del McNeil tonight, and we're talking to Carolyn Hines. How are you, Carolyn Hines? I am good. That's good. I'm really warming up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you were saying today, it's leather season. It lasts for like a week. <sighs> yes, leather. Well, <laughs> yes, fighting time for leather jacket season, as I like to call it. So it might possibly last two weeks, considering how our winter has been going off and on. Yeah. You might get two, three weeks possibly yeah. out of this thing. Yeah. It comes right at the end of April. Right. And then by the time the calendar goes to May, you got to put the leather away because it's too damn hot. <laughs> it's true. But yeah. it depends on how you uh, how you accessorize this what is, you wear with your jacket. This is very, very true. On episode 221, we will be discussing Guava Island and turning the record over to play the other side. But first, we need to learn more about Carolyn. This is Know Your Enemy. last appeared on episode 201 where we talked about hereditary and before we go any further i do have a sub question on that episode you talked about how you noped out and just couldn't make it to the end of that movie. yep it has now arrived on home entertainment you can watch it in the broad light of day on the, on, your, on your phone if you want to did you finally make it to the end of that movie i have not gone back to it <laughs> it could end with a musical number for all you know I don't think it does. Based on what you other people correct. have, based on what like, other people have said, okay. I don't think it does. I'll, I'll be curious if you ever do. <laughs> uh, we learned on that episode that the first film she ever saw in the theater was Titanic. The last film she'd seen at the time was The Suspect. When I asked about the worst movie she'd ever seen, she deferred. Um, Carolyn said she didn't really have an answer because she likes to see the best in things, okay. uh, even the worst things. Um, the unseen classic or essential was North by Northwest. Have you seen it? No, I didn't get to that. Oh, I think I stopped okay. before okay. because I got I got distracted by something, something else. Some other series. Okay. And the film that she wished she had made was Belle. So it's time yes. for round two. Carolyn Hines, what is a film you like that seemingly nobody else does? I wouldn't say that no one else does, but it's not a very well, it's not one that a lot of people talk about. Okay. And that's Equilibrium. 
Christian it has Bale? Christian Bale, oh, Tay Diggs. No. I like that film. I really? love that film. It's, really? To me, it's a great. First, 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 it has Gunkata for one thing. Yes, it does. Which is like you know, uh, it's a, a amalgamation of um, using guns, yeah. uh, handguns yeah. as a extension of as a fight tool. So it's like it's I I love that whole fight thing that that fight style. You don't see it in much films, no. but I love Equilibrium a lot. Oh to me, it's a great sci-fi film. Um, the, the, to me, I love the aesthetics of it. Uh, I, I like the whole the whole twist with his son, where the son is the one that he he thought his son was the one that was setting him up, but the son is the one that was actually had the best plot twist because the son was like, ah, you thought I was working for the man, but I was not. I'm actually uh, against the man. That was a brilliant. Does it twist. start with like a PowerPoint presentation? Like there's a, like like really really dodgy words on the screen. Probably. And yeah, uh it kinda does. It's not perfect. Isn't there isn't But there, I love it. Isn't there a plot point with a cat? Or am I thinking of another movie? It's, I think you're thinking of another movie because okay. there's a dog. Okay. It involves a puppy. And well, I believe it's, it's a St. Bernard. Right, okay, right. I was say, I was like, is it a dog or am I thinking of John Wick? No. I think you're thinking John Wick is a, my, has my, a dog see, as the well. The thing <laughs> that I always think about with with Equilibrium, what what I find that film especially egregious. So that's the film where in the future uh, emotion is banned. Yes. So, I mean, for starters, you are giving a whole bunch of actors an excuse not to act. But what I what I, what I think about that movie is that movie has Tay Diggs in it, right? Yes. And Tay Diggs has one of the best smiles in the whole damn world. And, and you smile. cast the movie and you don't let Tay Diggs smile? But I think Come that's on. the beauty of it, though. Because there's some films, and this is something I'm going to get into with Guava Island, because there's something where you have actors who are known for one particular thing and you don't let them use it. Right. And... It, it usually works against the film and works against the actor, but I think in Equilibrium it works because you expect, like, for you talk about um, Take This with his smile, but yeah. also for Christian Bill, we know he's a very emotive actor. Like, he yeah. uses his face a lot. Yeah. And he had to, like, tone down his facial expression. So I think it actually makes them work. For this film, it worked because it made them work harder. Yeah. Because, like, and it's not that they're em it's not that they're acting monotone, and it's not as if they they don't have any emotion. It's that the emotions are suppressed. So there's a difference between <laughs> no 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 I'm serious. There's no, a difference between acting as though you're dead and like because there's some actresses I can list that yeah. like every film they do is like the same character over and over yes, and over. Yes. Whereas for, whereas for me for equilibrium, it's not as if they're acting as though they don't have any life. It's like they have to, they're physically repressing any emotions so to me it works and it makes sense Ooh. Man, I love it. um let's let's flip the script what is the film that a lot of us like that you don't i'm gonna go for something recent okay and i'm gonna go with a star is born oh, i do not like that film okay okay uh do tell now now first we have to beg the question you don't like this version or you don't like the story at all this version okay um the story is not the story itself is not problematic, but when you look at the era that the films were made, that's it, like the whole, the woman basically sacrificing her dreams and stuff for the man. Like that's a trope that was generalized from like the 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, so that was kind of expected then. But then it's like, this film was made, what, 2018? It came out in 2018 because it came out at TIFF 20 yeah. last year. So it would have been produced between late 2017, early 2018. And like her whole, her whole arc revolves around him. So now there's a test called the Bletchdale test. There's that one, and then there's one that my friend um, Karkisha Kent invented called the Kent test. And that film fills all two tests across the board. No, the Bletchdale test uh, um, and the, both the Kent test actually works with how the female characters interact with other female characters in the film and to the male character. Okay. So it's not related to both. It's about how the female characters are utilized in the films okay. and our TV shows. And this one fills because 
every conversation she has is about him. So there is one conversation I would say that isn't about him, and it's it's the, it's one she has with her father, and it's the one where she comes home after the night, and it's like it's about her career. And I'm like, good, I want more of this. I want more of her story and about her how she how she came to decide I want to be a writer, I want to be a singer. This then bam, like he whisked her. He called his he says his his um, chauffeur to pick her up in his taxi and to take her. To perform on stage, mm-hmm. her song, mm-hmm. mind you, mm-hmm. and I, that pissed me off because I was like, first and first, I don't. This don't make any sense. You guys were literally the night before. <laughs> she she gave you you. She sang the hook of a chorus. Yeah, and she's telling you about all of these songs that she wrote and whatever. And then you're gonna and magically have time to re- um, rec- make of a, a recording, um, arrange it. arrange it with your with your backup yeah. singers, yeah. your producers. And your I'm um, your artist, and I'm like, eh, there's no way that happens in in like tops. Like I'm gonna give them like six hours tops. That does not happen. This is not a, this is not an acapella song. Okay, this is like a fully arranged song. And then he drags her up on stage and performs her song. Yeah. I'm like, he didn't ask permission. Yeah. And that pissed me off because I'm like, if that was me, I would have been like. First and first, you're not dragging me up on stage to perform. People would be looking like toe up and flow up. But then you're gonna have the audacity to want to sing my song. I think it's romantic. That's not cute. That's not romantic to me. That's like you're you're, you're taking, co-opting you're yeah. co-opting my work, right? I'm like that's not romantic. And everything that they do in that film is to me is not romantic because yeah. she wants to support him, but she's everything she like everything she's doing is either at the behest of the of her manager or, or at his behest. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have her own arc. Okay. She doesn't have her own story. Right, so like, it's, and, and like, Jasmine is not that good of a. He's not that inspirational of a character. <laughs> no, like, no, he's not. Do you feel this way about all of them as well? Like when you want and watch the other ones too, or like, do, like you said off the top, you kind of you allow it because it's a, it's emblematic of its time. N- not that I would allow it, but when I watched those or those ones, I was way younger. I would have been like my early teens when I watched those films because they would have okay. shown all like the turn turn a classic movie Sundays right. and like I would have watched them so like I didn't think about them now but now that I'm an adult I'm more yeah. aware of like stories and like how things are being presented not only to me but to like my niece and to my friends because like we pay, we're paying more attention to these things now yeah, yeah. and some people say oh you're watching you're being too critical I'm like first and first I am a critic that's what I do but I can watch things without breaking them down and like not over analyzing like I, can, I have I, I, I can enjoy films yeah yeah but there's also the whole thing like you can enjoy them but like you still got to be able to like critic think critically and say this is problematic yes yeah right shallow's good song is it really? <laughs> <laughs> um, I do want to come back to something though, because you mentioned the Kent test. What is the Kent test? Okay, so that was invent- um, invented, or I should say, created by my friend Karkisha Kent. She's a writer, and she's on Twitter a lot too, um, at Karkisha Kent. And she is kind of like there's a Blesch style test, which these with certain um, ways how women interact with other female characters in films. And yes. Things, but Karkisha extends it to how women of color, in particular. Are characterized oh, okay. and portrayed okay. on film and in TV. So the Blesha types of what you would say apply to all women, but when you break it down by race and by culture, then you you have to look and say, okay, so if you have a film and it's about tropes too, because we all know there are specific tropes that women of color, especially Black and Latina characters, play um, with regards of versus how white women in general are portrayed, right? Because there's like the tropes with Black women is like they're always um, the best friend. Or you know they're the one that they're the cheerleader. Right. They're the they're the one that's like always telling white women like you can do it, but they don't get their own story. Mm-hmm. And so the Kent the Kent test X um 
expands the bachelor test in a way. Okay. And so okay. it applies to all to women of color and from like LGBTQ and those different things as well. Fascinating. Carolyn, what is one of the last films to make you cry? Okay, you know what? I watched the Ip Man series recently. The Witch? Ip Man series. Oh yeah, okay. And so, one? yeah. So there's a scene in um, Ip Man 2. Okay. And this is the scene where um, the J Jap the Japanese have come, you know, they've invaded Korea, yes. South Korea, and probably well, been Korea then too. And this is the scene where his friend, who was also a, a, a martial arts master, he like, you know, so they they're poor, they don't, they're destitute, and like they don't have any resources. So like these, this Japanese general comes in, and he's like, okay, I'm gonna give you guys rice, but you have to fight. But what he does is like the the master wanted to fight, but he still turned around and shot him. Okay. Now the reason I cried in this is because it's like, and I don't know, I, I I got I didn't cry, but I got emotional because it's like it's not fair when you 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 do what you're supposed to do and they still turn around and like, yeah, take shit from you. It's like yeah. I like he literally yeah. and then you and then like all he had and then like it man he took the bloody bag of rice because it was a bag of rice and like it, he had it in his chest and he got the bullet through it. And he took it to the family because he's like, this is the last thing your husband had to give to you. I was like, oh, my heart. <laughs> Do you know, I've actually never seen any of the Ip Man movies. No. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen The Grandmaster, and I know that that has a lot of parallels to the Ip Man series. Yeah. Many, are, there's a few of them, aren't there? There's, there's three Ip Man films. Then the last so one that's like a spin-off of Ip Man 1, Ip Man, Ip Man 2, 3. The then no, no, no. Uh, because um, all and it man is played by Donnie because he's a, it's based on a real person, right? Okay. And he was actually Bruce Lee's mentor, right? So there was Ip Man three, and in this one, Matt Zhang's character, um, uh, Tian Shin, he lost to Ip Man. So that's there. There's a spinoff of that where they have Master Z, the Ip Man legacy, with Michelle Yeoh and Matt Zhang and oh, wow. Dave Bautista okay. Okay. and Tony Jaa. So I watched that recently because I did my, re my review for it. It's on the website. And that's a really good film. So there's actually the fourth one now. It's, I think they're wrapping up production now. And that one has Donnie. So that's Ip Man 4. So this one is going to have Bruce Lee. Oh, wow. It's going to be when Bruce Lee is okay. going to have involved. Okay. I think it's going to involve Bruce Lee's story more and how they... Why do you feel like so I'm going to watch these? I'm not going to cry at all. You, no, you're. I, I, it, listen, going, I'm going to be excited as heck, but I'm going to be like, it's a. They're great films. Like okay. as I said, I wasn't expecting to get emotional, but yeah. then I, I don't know. Maybe I don't know why. I think it was a whole bunch of stuff. What was going on in the world? Like, I'm yeah. calling it. You know, like all the ish going on in the world and politics. I'm like, it's not fair. He did what he was supposed <laughs> to do. He still turned around and killed him, you bastard. Okay, if, and that and that happens in the first. One. That's an it man too. It meant two. Yeah, because Ip Man 3, it, it, no. Uh, Carolyn, in the movie of your life, who plays you? Okay, if we're going young, I would actually have Marseille Martin play me. Um, you know, she she's a, she wrote, well, she did the thing for a little. The, she plays um, the youngest daughter in Blackish, <laughs> Marseille Martin. Okay, sure, yeah. She will play the younger me. She is literally okay, like okay, the youngest okay. me. Okay, all right. Yes, and yes. me now, at my age. While you're thinking about that, Marseille Martin is a person who... She feels like she could, like, she does often cut you really easy. Like, she's got great deadpan, cut you down. She's me. <laughs> I swear to God, she's me she's when, when she's, like, sarcastic. Okay. Like, people will say that I'm rude. It's like, I'm not, for me, when I was younger, it was like, not that I was rude, but it was very, like, I would say what I have to say. I would, like, I did not, I didn't have a filter and I was rude, but it's like, I didn't believe in the point of lying. Like, yeah, okay. I love her blackish because she kind of seems like the person in the middle of the chaos who just can't believe what all these other idiots are up to. Basically, you know, that's me. I'm like, 
what are you doing? Like, what kind of age? I'm not going to be as rude to her as her, to her as she is to her parents. That's one problem I have with that character. Okay, okay. I'm like, what black child going to be that rude to their mother? No. Mm-mm. I mean, but you see her dad, right? Yes. Don't be, don't be, rude, to, don't be rude to Rainbow Johnson. But, no. I mean, you know, maybe cut Dre down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Dre deserves it. Yeah. Did you, did you think of an older one? Um... I don't know. First person that came to my head was Letitia Wright. <laughs> <laughs> well, because she's on the brain, right? Yeah, um, but she, but also because she has like, the Caribbean heritage too. Because um, she, her grand, she has Guyanese heritage, and I'm, I have oh. my mom's family is from Guyana. Okay. Right. My yeah. So I'm like, there's that. She doesn't look anything like me. But, but, but no, but it's you know. it's it's your movie, man. You can have absolutely anybody um, play you. She was in. She, why do I not remember her in Ready Player One? She's in Ready Player One? She is? Apparently. Is she like in the background somewhere or something? Uh-huh. Are you sure? Allegedly. Like, I mean, she might be a voice or Did something. Did she walk past or something? I don't know. I'm going to have to look for that now. I mean, that's, that's I love she that. Is? I love that of everybody in Black Panther, she's the breakout. Yeah. You know? like, And there's a lot of talented people in Black Panther. Yeah. And meanwhile, she's the one, she's, she's the one that we're saddest didn't make it past the snap. Yeah, I think she did. I hope she did. She did. You know, they're they're going to play fast and loose with what's happened now. But I um, think she did make it past the I would, snap. You know what? I would watch. I would watch that movie. I would watch Letitia Wright and um, and Young Johnson there. Marseille Martin. Marseille Martin. <laughs> I would totally watch that movie of them playing your your life story. That would be an amazing movie. Yep. And the older me would be played by Regina King. Oh, see, now you're just showing off. Well, hey. All right. Uh, last but not least, what are you watching next? Um, Fast Color hasn't come out yet. I kind of feel like that's the one that people might not have heard of, and, and I don't want it to fly under the radar. What's that about, and um, what, what's got you interested? Okay, so it's about um, it's about these, it's about it's a matriarchal film, so it's about three black women, so it's uh, grandmother, mother, and daughter, so it stars Gugu Ambatra, um, Lorraine Toussaint, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, Lorraine Toussaint. David Stratham, Sonia Sydney. Okay, so now this little girl, she plays um, Amy in The Passage with um, Mopa Gasselar. So I'm really looking forward to it because she's fantastic in this TV show. So I want to see how she does in this film. And I think she's going to be great. And it's basically, it's a sci-fi... I'm not sure the genre because I haven't been... I haven't gotten the screener yet because I I think it showed at... um, Southwest, 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 South yes. Yeah, I think it's show there. Okay. Um, but I'm hoping to get a screen for that. Um, but it's about these women, and they have a family legacy, and it turns out they have like supernatural powers, right? right. Or superpowers. So that's what I'm really looking forward to—to to have three black women in a film like this. Okay. And it's directed by Julia Hart, and and written by her as well. And I can't wait to. Well, and she's your girl, right? Because she did Belle. No, sorry, yes, no, she yeah, she Google did. Um, right. Google did. Beth Bell was directed by Ama Asante. Right. So I, I, I thank you for bringing that, like reminding me about that because I think it's one that it's got a really striking poster. Yeah, the poster is um, beautiful. And um, it's one that like I'm, I really got. Like, I keep meaning. Like, I had it in the back of my brain, but you know, like we said, like March was when like everything showed up. Yeah. You know, I'm having a hard time doing shows in April because there's been like nothing coming out in April. No. And then just but because like they jammed March and they're gonna jam May and they put Fast Color kind of in the yeah. middle of it all. 
So okay, definitely, definitely. Uh, that's I, I can see why you want to see that one next. Yeah, because the only other no, I do. That is more about Carolyn. We are going to move on to the new slang, and as we were just saying, there's not a whole lot in theaters to talk about right now. What we are going to do is talk about a movie that is showing right now on Amazon Prime. It premiered uh, during Coachella this year, um, so you can watch it online if you want. If you haven't seen it, and it's not long either. It's it's under an hour, and come on back and listen to us talk about it. Um, we're going to talk about Lava Island right after this. Come on back. You feel like summertime You took this heart of mine You'll be my valentine in the summer In the summer Lava Island is directed by Hiro Murai, written by Stephen Glover, Donald Glover, uh, Ibra Ake, Jamal Olore, and Fan Itaroji. It stars Donald Glover, Rihanna, Letitia Wright, and Ananso Anansi. Lava Island is the story of Denny and Kofi, that's Donald Glover and Rihanna, <laughs> respectively. They're in love and trying to build a life on this um, lush Caribbean island that is... It's just known as Guava Island, it's not yeah, specific. it's a fictional island. Yeah. Denny specifically is trying to express his love through one perfect song. To express his on a larger platform, Denny hopes to stage a musical festival on a Saturday night in Guava Island. He has songs, he has soul, he has the stage, all he needs is the time. For that, he must convince the island's biggest boss, Red Cargo, to allow his vast teams of employees just a little bit of time to enjoy life. Guava Island is a story that is looking for a center. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it is scales that seek balance. Donald Glover brings up the contradiction that everybody in this film lives in paradise but cannot afford to enjoy it, and that everyone we meet in the film works hard and deserves a day off. It's enough to make one wonder if any of us can find balance, if we are working for a living or living just to work. All of it is told through a project that seeks to find center between artistic endeavor and glorified commercial for the brands on screen. So, with that in mind, pop quiz hotshot. Between the fun and the philosophy, between the art and the commerce, does Guava Island find balance? I think it finds balance, but a flat balance. Okay. In, Explain. And the fact to me is, I understand the message and understand what they're trying to say, but to me the whole thing reads across as very, not, not necessarily safe, but I, it didn't leave that, it didn't impact me that deeply. Mm. Like the thing that stands up for me apart from Rihanna is I, I love how, I love the visual aesthetics of it. I love the set production. I love how it was filmed. I, I'm not sure what film, what lens um, Hiro Murai used, but I love how it looks, that mm. grainy look. But it didn't really leave that deep of an impact on me. Like for instance, I'm trying for the life of me to remember what the last song sounds like. Like, I can't tell you the lyrics or anything, but I can tell you that it has a, a very heavy Afro-Caribbean beat. Right. And that, and but it doesn't leave, you know, it's like very... Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I do get what you're saying, and that is why I ask the question of whether or not it finds balance, because I believe this is something that is really handsome, has a lot of craft and a lot of attention paid to so very much about it. it it's got so much life it's got so much scope yeah 
but it doesn't have enough attention paid to the story. No. You know, it, it wants to just hang all of this onto something very, very simple, and it almost hangs it onto something that's too simple. Yeah. Um, for for me, and that that is really unfortunate because I feel like it's almost a missed opportunity. It it's there's a lot of talent involved mm -hmm. in this movie. Like even just starting, you know, you could start and end this conversation with Donald Glover. Yeah. Who, if there is somebody whose star is more on the rise in Hollywood right now, not just in Hollywood, but just in entertainment. Period. Um, the man can do anything he wants. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you have. You know, you, 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 you have Shuri in there, and you have Nanzo Anandi in there, and you have Rihanna in there, and, and, and it, you just have all this talent and all these wonderful people, and you don't elevate with any of it, I found. Stephen Glover and Donald Glover, they work on Atlanta, and yeah. that's a film, and that's a show where we, each episode, you have, you have, like, you have, like, a standard TV show, you have the long, that you have the through lines, specific storylines that run throughout a season, but each episode is usually like very well done and like you have a full story in a full episode. Yeah. And it's basically almost the same thing as this because this film is 55 minutes long and you can have a, a Atlanta episode, I think it's around... 22 minutes, well, 23. 22, 23 minutes, yeah. but you still get a full story in that space of time. And Hiro Murai, he worked with Donald Glover on the on his music videos and stuff and like you can get like a full story in a music video. So I it, it was kind of weird to me that it doesn't feel like a full story, right? It feels almost like, and as someone pointed out, on, I, I saw someone on Twitter point out that people going into this film should know that it's, it's like a, a visual album, which actually kind of doesn't make sense to me because one thing, there's not that many music videos. Nope. No, sorry, I shouldn't say music videos, not many songs. No. One. No. And no. usually when you have a visual album, like there's set pieces that you can identify with the specific songs. That doesn't happen in this film. No. Because the, he redoes um, This Is America, and it's set in a Caribbean island. I'm like, you're trying to talk about American American capitalism and commercialism in a, in Cuba of all places. Mm. And like, there's a lot of politics and a lot of history that you, when you're talking about these things, you have to consider what the setting is, right? Yeah. And I'm like, this is I. You're trying to talk about Caribbean and it's a fictional island, but a lot of people I find, especially North Americans, have this idea that life in the Caribbean is easygoing, easygoing and perfect. Yeah. So. Like we struggle too. We gotta work too. We don't. We don't think that America is the land of fruit of um of honey and milk. Like no, we know that when you go to America, that you have to work. We we, we know that when you go to England or Europe or, or Canada, you have to work. We know yeah. it's not gonna be easy. So I think when I watch this, I'm like this. This is written from the perspective of someone who thinks that people living in, in the Caribbean imagine that America is the is a gateway to like to like prosperity we don't believe that at all yeah right so that's so when I was watching them like you're talking as though these people in the in, in the Caribbean or who live on this island they don't like there's no possibility of happiness for them on this place like that's not no right so that to me that that felt off to me and like that's the thing that I always have when people talk about the Caribbean like we like because America always sells itself or North America always sells itself as like the greatest place on earth to live. No, yeah, it's not. We well, know it's not. Just kind of going back to what this film is and how much it gives. Yeah. This is a film that has five full songs. Yeah. And it's still 55 minutes. Yeah. Right? 55 minutes with five full numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, so ask yourself how much, if each song is, let's say, four minutes long, what's happening in those other 35 minutes? Not much. Not much, right. Um, this is America... Gets an interesting treatment in this in this film because 
on the one hand, he prefaces it with something actually really interesting because he says, uh, you know, like somebody's like, we're, we're in America and yeah. one of the coworkers is like, no, we're not. And he goes, anywhere you're working to make a rich, rich person man, richer even richer, is this is America. And I'm like, oh, no, okay, well, but that doesn't work because it, like, it doesn't completely work. But I do, I do get that because what, what's the, what's the running line right now of the 10 richest people in the world? Eight of them are American. Yeah. They're but, all white boys. Yeah. And eight of them are American. Yeah. Right. And, and that's the thing is that we can say what we want about how much they're giving back and how much they're, they're being philanthropists, but you can't argue with numbers. Um, however, even, okay, let, let's, you're right. Let's put a pin in that for a second and say that he's wrong. Um, the way that This Is America begins and the way that he starts to sing it in this, in this uh, film is he sings out the, the, the sweet intro of mm -hmm. it that is like, we just want to party. We just want the money. We just... You know, and I'm like, wait a minute, that is, that's getting to your point of the, con the, the conceit is that life in the Caribbean is that people want to relax and want to be easygoing. And you're, and you're saying, no, because that's not what anybody has the, the perception of. No. So to bring that to the forefront of him starting to sing, this is America, is it undercuts the harsher, the, like the really harsher message of the song. Yeah, because... Like, capitalism and commercialism exists everywhere in the world, on yeah. every country and on every island. And yes, a lot of it is is fed by the whole idea of North America and the Western idea of what prosperity is and what happiness is. You know, like, growing up, like, we were all, we, like, watching TV, we, we believe, like, you know, the whole White House, the House picket fence. And, to, like, it applies kind of, like, to us in the Caribbean where we're, like, grow up, get a job, buy a house, get a piece of land. And, like retire yeah and like everyone in the world wants that for themselves and it has nothing to do with the american ideal like that's just what you want you want your own piece at home in barbados so you say we, we want your own piece of the rock mm. right and we be like and and that's the expectation like when you when you reach a certain age when you put in your work like you you have the right to retire you right. have your own piece of the rock right and like yeah we we like on sundays we we do have our moments of relaxation and partying and whatever we have carport where we have festivals we have sundays going to the beach and chillaxing and doing whatever we want at the beach but we know Monday, but we at nine to five, we know Monday nine to five, this is how we attain our goal, not only for prosperity to make we're not thinking about we're making anyone richer. We're like, how do we feed ourselves? How do we feed our children? Yeah. Like love doesn't put food in your belly. Yeah. Right. And that's and that's where this this whole idea of like people in the Caribbean mm. want like just all we all we want to do is just lay down at the beach. We're like, no. It's like, it, like even if you even when you have your own piece of the rock, you still gotta work it, right? Yeah. If you have a plot of land that you want vegetables and stuff, you still gotta wake up in the morning and go you go work till the soil. You gotta go and feed the animals if you have a farm and that you kind can, of stuff. You right? can have your music festival, but your ass better be back at work the next day. You you still gotta you still gotta put food on the table. Yeah. Like that's how the world works. And as I said, even if you don't work for a company, you work for yourself. Like my yeah. grandmother had her own little. But when sometimes it's worse, right? Because you gotta you 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 can't turn that off. No, you're right? always hustling because exactly. it's your it's your baby. Exactly. My grandmother, once she retired, she had her own little plot of land in the background and she grew like bananas and like vegetables and stuff and she had her own little forest, but she still had to get up in the morning and do her own form of harvesting, right? right. And tending the soil and tending her backyard. And so it's like, it's a grind no matter what you're doing, right? We're all not, we're all not sitting in hammocks on the beach, yeah. lazing about, like, no. The one thing I did like about this movie is the way it kind of, it, it tries to frame it using 
folk tales and folk heroes. There's this yeah. lovely animated intro mm-hmm. where we talk about the history of the island and we talk about these two kind of star-crossed lovers yeah. and and what they want. And it's you know you can obviously hear that it's it's a it's a person telling it to a child. Denny kind of becomes a bit of a folk hero by the time this is all said and done. Yeah. The way that artists do in a in a smaller community. Um, I get the feeling that if that is not your background, that people have a hard time with the notion of folk tales and their simplicity. And I, I sort of saw it around that short film that was that Pixar did a few years ago, Lava. Yes. You know, I know a lot of people who loathe that short. And really? it, yeah, I love that it's short. so. I mean, one, it makes you cry. It, it does. It's feels. beautiful. It's sweet. It's it, it's it is a folk tale, right? Yeah. It's it's absolute horseshit. But at the same time, it's the kind of thing that would be told a long time ago. It's probably still told. There's an art to, to telling these stories yeah. and communicating these stories. Um, you get a little bit of that at the beginning of Guava Island. Mm-hmm. It abandons it kind of quickly and comes back to it. Right. But I, I did like that that is baked in there. Like I, You're right. This is very much a Caribbean story told from the perspective of an outsider. Um, but at the very least, I do like that that is what, the first thing that it tries to hang its hat on. Yeah, I love the animation for it because actually when I you because that's what made you respond to me. I, re- I tweeted out like I love the animation. I think it's really cute and the intro to me was more interesting than the film yeah, itself. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting because you have the voiceover by Rihanna, but you have the like how they're telling the history of and it's kind of like Black Panther too, kind of like and mm-hmm. like, I I saw connected to Black Panther because of how it begins and how it ends Did using you animation. Ready for somebody to say Papa? Uh, Baba, that's literally listen. No joy. It was like Baba, and she like. Ah. But I love the animation, and I and I love how how they had Rihanna do the intro for it, and how they're telling the story of the of the Reds, and the Blues are basically basically the Reds are like the colon. I think I I, I assume they're colonizers, colonists, yeah. colonizers, Probably. and that's what I'm thinking of them as. Yeah. And are capitalists, and so they came in, and they, you know they, they wanted those silk for themselves, and basically that's how capitalism works, right? You yeah. like we see you have a resource, and we're going to take it over, and, and that actually works for a lot of Caribbean islands too, because that happened in Guyana, that happened in Haiti, like they come in and they take the resources and like ship them out and yeah. take them for themselves, and that happens in Barbados like fairly often. Like our sugar cane is only manufactured by, is only produced by a certain number of plantations now, and that kind of stuff, but. I saw connections to that, and I'm like, okay, good. I can see this, but you need to extend it more. And they didn't really no. extend it. They made it more about Denny's music. Yeah. And I think they, I like, is either you want to be a music video or you want to tell a story. And that's where I said it is like, I could see where they wanted to go, but that's where I said it fell flat because they didn't extend, they didn't expand upon the parts that they could have expanded on. So it's like this is like. They had a great premise, but they didn't know how to fully execute it. No, and I mean, even with making it a visual album, I mean, the obvious comparison is Lemonade. And every song has a very specific um, visual context and look, and you can tell where you are. Um, This Is America has an unfortunate task at hand, which is... A ridiculous task at hand because it's competing against its own extremely iconic music video, which is done by the same people. Yes, yeah, I was wondering. I was like, are these the same backup dancers? Same backup dancers, same director, same singer, obviously. And and you know, so you're going head to head with something you already nailed six months ago. Yeah, and you're going to try to recontextualize it here. Uh, I mean, 
points for using the machinery in the factory to give you the percussion and the mm -hmm. beat. Neat, like that was a neat trick. Yeah. But the rest of it, I'm like, you are, you've dropped all of that visual messaging, all of that iconography that you really wove into something incredible just six months ago yeah. and you're, you're doing it again. That's the, that's the, the strangest thing about this is that for basically a musical, this is a musical, really a short musical, yeah. but it's a musical. It doesn't go far enough with any of its musical numbers. No, because the one... Despite looking so handsome. It does the thing because like one of the other songs, um, the one, Magic Summertime, like the one with Rihanna where he's singing on the... That's, uh, that's Summertime Magic. Summertime Magic. So like, I can't even tell you what that song sounds like now. And <laughs> I watched that like an hour ago. Yeah, I know. I, like, if I try to recall the beat, I can't. Yeah. I can tell you how pretty it is. I can yeah. tell you. I can literally tell you the their their movements from her sitting on the sand and getting up from going on the pier and dancing and yeah. coming back. I can I can visualize that, but I yeah. can't even tell you Hear what the, the song tune. sounds yeah, like. Yeah. And that's so weird to me because like I'm an auditory learner mm -hmm. and a visual learner, so like normally I can associate songs with like like visuals. Yeah. So the fact that I can't even remember the song, but I can yeah. tell you exactly frame for frame what was happening on screen. Yeah. Is kind of odd to me. Yeah. Um, but that's where I think also the film. To, for me, fails because it does the music, which is supposed to be the main aspect of it, doesn't stick with me. No, the visuals stick with me, and that has all to do with um, Hiro Murai and the production designer, right? Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, and it's it's unfortunate because you know we can both agree that when Glover does music as Childish Gambino, he's immensely talented. You know, he's created some incredible songs, some songs that have just some fantastic hooks that really stick with yeah. you, and this is America is one of them, but the rest of what he drops in this film kind of feels like leftovers and and just sketches that he had that he kind of wanted to pull everything together and create something while he was Lion Kinging and Han Soloing and doing yeah. all this other stuff. Um, I mean, now here's the funny thing: so we're kind of we're pulling all kinds of holes in this movie. And we haven't even got to the most egregious one, mm. which is that this movie has the audacity, mm. the pure gall, mm. the, the wherewithal, the, 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 the huevos in the bad way, the wherewithal <laughs> to cast Rihanna and not have her sing, not have her sing and give her nothing to do. do. She has nothing to do. And this is when I, earlier when I was talking about um, A Story is Born, yeah. where it fills the Black Shell Test. This film fills both the Black Shell Test and the can't test because every conversation she has has to do with Denny. Yeah. When she's either she's talking to him about him and his music or she's talking to her friend, um, Keisha, played by Letitia Wright. It's about him yeah. and his music. Yeah. It's about the music festival. Every conversation, everyone, everything in this film revolves around him and his music festival. Yeah. The main, um, the, uh, the, the antagonist, which is Red, um, Red, Red Cargo. Cargo it's about him and his. It's about Denny and having this this festival that he wants to put on. There's no like. There's nothing on this island that matters more. Yeah. Than this one. This one music festival. I'm like, life doesn't work that way. These people do. These people not have any other interests apart no. from them. I mean, it's 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 a, it's supposed to be a love story. Like we we we, we were talking about that. We're yeah. talking about that folk tale. Yeah. That lovely animation. You know, I I don't know. Like I know that she loves him because he looks like Donald Glover. Mm. But I don't know. I don't know why she loves him. I don't know why he loves her. We don't know anything about them. Like, yeah, the only thing we know that he wants to write a, music, a song for her. And, like, the, everyone on Twitter was talking about the line where he, where he said, I want to make a song as beautiful as you. And she's like, that's impossible. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> girl, own that. But, like, he wants to make the most, he wants to make the most memorable song ever. But 
is that your only motivation, Denny? Like, you don't have any other motivation apart from making a song? Like, what is your ambition in life? Do you want to become a recording artist? You want a stage festival? You want a stage festival? You okay, want you want... A, you want, like, you want rights for the worker? Like, I mean, okay, so here's the thing. Red, um, Red Cargo is a company that looks like it is exploiting their workers. Yeah. Right? You can, you can sort of see that in the margins. You can hear it when you hear Red Cargo talking. Um, okay, so you want to say we are entitled to more we're, we're, we exactly want, we yeah. want, like you like you said we want our piece of the rock yeah okay tell me about that yeah show me that you know like show me yeah we deserve a day off because we haven't had a day off in a month mm -hmm. you know like we're working 24-hour shifts to keep this thing running right. red cargo is talking about he can't give him saturday night because he needs the workers there on a sunday now first of all what are they even making i don't really know what do they make? I know I in Rihanna's... It, isn't it, it... Like, part of it is a port. So I think it's just a matter of, like, moving containers in and out. But still, okay. Who do even ports, has unrealistic... Do ports run on a port, Sunday? Ports I, I asked this as a... Ports I, don't run 24-7. No, of course they don't. Because I, you have to go by shipping um, by shipping schedule. But I think we're getting a bit too, too no, realistic no, but, I mean, here. This, but these are questions, right? But because it's so like... But then again, I'm like, this is, this is how you have people writing about things that they don't know anything about. Because if you're in the Caribbean, you know that ports... Do not open 24 7. No. They're closed on Sundays. That's the thing. Red Cargo is like, our no, ports, you can't have your Saturday our ports nights. on Saturdays. Yes, the ports in, the, for instance, I'm going to use Barbados because that's, sure. that's where I'm from. Our ports are open on Saturdays, but they don't open the full day. No. Half day. Yeah. Like, when I was watching this, I'm like, I, there's no employer I know who would have a problem with his employees going to a festival because it's a part of the culture. Yeah. And yeah. they know. So go and tell employees that you can't, for instance, when you use crop over, they tell the employees you can't go to crop over, that's when it's a riot. Right. So they want it there. Yeah. Tell employees. And if they do, you get time and a half. If you if it's like a holiday, you get time and a half. But this festival, I'm assuming, is something that that Denny put on. Yeah. So it's like not a it's not a national holiday, whatever. It's on a Saturday. And are we going to discuss time and a half? Are we going to, like, you know? <laughs> he's just saying no. Like, that, that's the thing. He's, I'm like, he's just saying about, no. Like, Why? What's the reason? You like, know, I mean, part of the deal is, okay, I'll do this, but you got to make sure you're here tomorrow. And I want these people, so you're going to make sure that they're here tomorrow. We, we never even get that far. And I don't understand why. Talk about labor so, unions and kind it's of stuff. so short. You have time to get into this shit. Come on, guys. Now, the one thing I will give this movie props for um, and there is a film that does it much better that we'll talk about a little bit later, that it really does uh, underline the role of music in the culture. Because mm -hmm. there's always radios on. There's yeah. always kind of somebody playing. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, and, and sometimes it's just kind of like to pass 10 or 15 minutes. You know, you're, you're on a break and, you know, you've got like your, your guitar. I do like that this movie heightens the role of music. I, I really believe that in North America, the role of music is mostly background noise. But the, okay, so this is so this is where I, this is what I was going to talk. To. So this sure. is where I, where, I, where I said it's a balance yeah. for me is because there's a lot of things coming from the Caribbean that I related to. Okay. So like even the factory scene, I saw that and I'm like, I've been to factories back home that look just like that. Mm -hmm. The open air is like paling and just as like just like the roof and the thing, and that's like how um, a lot of factories back home look. And this and the seamstress factory, like I my sister used to work in a she was a receptionist in a in a factory that looked just like that, and like. And 
I saw a lot of home in mm-hmm. that. So that's where I'm like, this is the positive for me. Like yeah. I saw home. There are some parts where they went, because I've been to Cuba and there are parts of Cuba that look just like Barbados. And I saw some of those parts right. on screen. I'm like, that looks like home, right? Those houses look like home, those streets, those canals, those churches look like home. Yeah. And I saw a lot. And so like that to me, I, I got, I kind of relate. I'm like, ah, I, mm-hmm. I kind of think about seeing that on screen. And the music too, because music plays a big part in West Indian and Caribbean culture. And like we always have music playing, even yeah. in like offices. Yeah. Like even though, like even when I used to do reception, we would always have music um, playing, right? And yeah. if the formers would like turn it down, as soon as they hang up, turn it back on, right? Yeah. And you like you get up and you dance and you sing. sing. I'm like, yeah, yeah. we do that, right? Yeah. So that is a part of our culture. So like I I related to that a lot too. So I appreciated how he used music. You know what this is? This is a report card that's mostly d's but has a handful of a's yeah you know? right? and i'm thinking just it's handsome if nothing else like it's, it's pretty we're talking we're talking about something that we both watched on on screens at home mm-hmm. that i can easily see playing in a theater and would look gorgeous yes. would sound gorgeous um it's 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 just lush and it's got scope there's a sequence during the actual festival when something happens while danny is playing on stage that is amazingly well cut and it actually has like really good suspenseful rhythm to it and feels like something that's in the Yeah, that's where the, the camera's movies. moving across the yeah, crowd. That's a it's, beautiful, it's, like, yeah. that's why I say Hiro Murai. He, he, I think he had, this is his first feature-length film, yes. and I think he has a future in, um, in film. Yes. Like from what we see him and whoever did his um, cinematography. Yeah. Uh, I should look that up. But they did a fantastic job. That's why I said, my, for me, the the pluses of this film has is strictly based on visuals it's yeah it's all technique that's it's all about the technique that's where all the a's come from and the other thing that i really appreciated um is how black it is it has like it's like a exclusively black cast yeah and i was shocked when i saw that because i was that's funny because when i went to cuba <laughs> i was saw mostly like white cubans or or mixed race cubans like i saw and, and the, the the black humans that I saw were in the service industry. Like they were the maids, the bartenders, the cashiers. Right. Right. And the ones that had that were driven around. Like you know, there is a class system, and then there's this whole thing with colorism in Cuba. So when I saw that he had like a predominantly all black cast um, in this film, I was impressed because I yeah. was like, I would love to see how they handled that for casting. Like who did they? How did they handle casting for that? Yeah. Right. Um, like but, that's that's a choice. That's a specific. It's a specific you, you gotta, choice, like, and I again, appreciate give, it a lot. Yeah, we gotta give the film props for that because that's that is attention to detail and wanting to, you know, wanting to move the needle yeah. in, in a certain direction. Um, you know, again, like on top of everything else, just the look of the clothes in this movie. Uh, you know, the, the, this, when the festival kicks in, everybody's kind of wearing their party clothes. There's there's a big kind of celebration at the end um that that really trots out like you said like some of the fabrics and everything just looks amazing yeah Um, it's a beautiful film this is something i could have i could have seen showing at a film festival yeah yeah i could i could totally see i could see this playing i could absolutely see this playing in lightbox 3 um, I could certainly see this playing in places like MoMA or places like... It's going to premiere that BFI. Yeah. It would have been in a wavelength. I could have seen this in the wavelength. Um, Absolutely. You know, and, and, and that's the thing is that it has so much craft. So much craft. Um, to, to the way it sounds, to the way it looks, to the way it's cut. It's just, guys, just what happened to your story? What, you know, it, you didn't even have to tell that complicated of a story, but you had to try a little bit harder. Yeah. This is such a mixed bag that has so such 
incredible things. And I'm thinking, like, again, even just the staging of This is America, mm-hmm. um, which which had, that's ballsy, to already go against something else you've done um, and come up with something very different that works, um, and, and yet you can't, and you cannot come up with a good enough story that, that uses your, your, your co-star. There's the story that, there's that, and then there's the other thing that, for me that bothers me that like, it seems like a trivial thing but it bothers me sure. is the dialects or the accents or like okay how, how so donald glover's american when the film starts he starts speaking with like four different four or five different accents and he gives up like which is a good choice because it was horrible <laughs> i was like what is he i'm like pick an accent dude and stick with it yeah I, but I did notice i noticed it was coming and going it was coming and going but then it was different accents it wasn't all the same accent right it wasn't all the same dialect and then but you have rihanna talking with her bajan accent her bajan dialect but then you have um, Letitia. Letitia, with clearly her British accent, and also the other actor who played Red um, Red Cargo. I keep wanting to say Red Boss. <laughs> <laughs> More or less, is. right? Not so, not Like he's British and he's speaking with his British accent. But you got these four main actors speaking with completely different accents, yeah. and they're all supposed to be born on this island. Yeah. But then you have all the background characters speaking with their with a. Cuban, Cuban dialect and in Spanish, yeah. like by, they're yeah. speaking bilingually, right? I'm like it, that kind of like yeah took me out because like I'm like I don't know how much time they had to practice or whatever, but I'm like could at least everyone try to pick an accent? Pick one thing and run. Pick with one it. thing and run with yeah. it because even like, if, like I mean even if it's just, like if you if you can't nail it, then just all right, everybody speak with an American accent and just run. All right, all right, not even that. If it were if the story had been that he Denny. Came from America and yeah. moved to it. I moved yeah. to the island, yeah. and that's how he can give his perspective as someone who's saying America isn't all that because I lived there and I came yeah. here. Yeah. That would have worked too. So, because Rihanna would have been a native, yeah. so her accent—it's not the same thing, but she has a Caribbean accent. Yeah. But like, I to me that story would have worked where he would have been like, he would have been like, okay, you guys, I've been to America. I'm from America. It's not as Cute it's not, as all, that. It's not yeah. all that. Yeah. So then that's where you have a story like this. That's where you have something like this is America actually works mm-hmm. from that context and from the context of what she was speaking about because he's like, I have the experience. I can tell you it is not like this. Yeah. Right. And and of course, I've only said it strictly because of his accent. But to me, it also works narratively as well. Sure. And also Red, Red Cargo would work because he came from imperialist. He, if he's from England, yeah. he came from imperialist and society and he moved to this island mm-hmm. and he like now he's being like a typical um, imperialist like he's that like, i want to run my factory and i want you people to work for me that could have worked too like it would and it would have to switch a few things depending on if like, the cat because the cast it comes after writing but to me it's not that it's not that big of a plot detail to change no but and i mean like, yeah but it, but it's it's enough that it's enough that it's certainly enough that you notice and it's and it's like pick a lane either okay. you're going to explain why everybody's speaking so differently or you're going to pay attention and make everybody speak the same. Yeah, because you have people speaking in Spanish. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's so weird. Um, and 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 yet, and yet, there's, there there are little things. There's so many little things that make that this works. thing. Yeah, they do. It's and, you so know, we, weird. Like, it's it's crazy because we were talking about how you can totally see this playing in BFI or MoMA or yeah. Lightbox, and yet I would tell people that the best way to experience this is put it on the background while you're cooking dinner. For the and music, basically. That's true. You know, or just something, you know, it, when I'm cutting this show, I'll have it on my TV just to put my eyes yeah. up. Yeah. 
You know, I'm not. It's, it's, I'm, I'm going to see if I listen to your music again and see if it sticks with me. Because yeah. again, I said nothing sticks. The only song that sticks with me is "This Is America" because I because it plays so much. But last year, yeah, like, but, I, mean, I will say that feels like summer and summertime magic are pretty when they're playing. You use summer in the title of both songs, so it's kind of hard for me to tell them apart off the top of my head. And I was confusing them all the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's there. There's. It feels like the talent that was assembled could have done so much more. And yet they do so much already. Yeah. So, uh, um, we end every um, matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could take away from the movie and keep Carolyn Hines, if you could keep any one thing from Guava Island, what would you take? Uh, for me, I take the aesthetics. Uh, as I said, because it reminds me a lot of home. Okay. How visually, how much a lot of it looks like home. And I'm like... I noticed when I was watching, because it has this very unique look to it. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure what lens was used to film, but... Um, and shot square, too. And it shot squared, right? So, I, I used to... I, used to do photography as a hobby like i had this old nikon f9 that my dad gave me nice. and i haven't used it forever but it, I, it used film so it's, it's an slr right so when i used to take pictures when i would get them printed they, there's a certain look that they have which is like this kind of grainy mm -hmm. um hazy tint especially if you take them on the on the seashore or yeah, by yeah. the beach because i and when I when I looked at the film, it reminded me of that, like looking through that viewfinder for that lens. Yeah. For the, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, through the F9 lens. It has this very unique, very so I was like that reminded me of being home and like that's taking the photos. Cool. So that's the one thing that I would take from it is how it looks visually um, and how it reminded me of home. My souvenir would be I wanna to go to that festival. In Toronto, especially and in Canada particularly, um, the crowds are pretty tame, mm. you know, and I'm, I don't even just talking about like people in my age bracket. Crowds in, in Canada, they don't really get yeah. into it. And I'm looking at this and everybody at that party was just letting loose yeah, it's and like, having so much fun. I'm like, that's the kind of concert. Car right? You've never been to Caribana? No. But there, that's literally Caribana. You have Caribana here should, in the summer every year. Should, okay, I should, not should, go. But I mean, you know, have it there. We end every review here on the Matinee Cast with a star rating out of four. Carolyn Hines, what do you give Hero Mirai's Guava Island on a scale of one to four? Okay, you know what? I'm going to give it a two. Okay. Because the two is split evenly because, again, I said visually it works. Storytelling-wise, it fills. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to cut it straight down the middle and call it two. Okay. I'm going to give it a two and a half. I think, it, I, I think if this was in a theater and I had paid money, mm. I'd be a lot harsher on it. As something that comes straight into my living room, I'll give you a little bit more leeway, but considering the talent you have, like it's a very, very cold two and a half. It's like yeah. you barely pass. Yeah. And it's mostly because you're short and I didn't have to leave my couch. Mm -hmm. You know, there is so much wrong with this movie and there are so much talent assembled and you show that you can with the craft and, and just the life of this movie, the scope, you, you give it like a little bit longer. This thing came together really quick. You give it just a little bit longer, a little bit more planning, and just try, like, just, you know, give yourself 10 more minutes to tell some more story, yeah. and you're there. Yeah, because it's 55 minutes, so they yeah. could have gone for, like, an hour and 10, ten, hour easily, and ten minutes. Easily, easily. Um, hey, maybe we're wrong. Maybe you think that this is an amazing piece of work, and we're just being way too hard on it. Maybe you think it's a piece of hot garbage, and we're uh, <laughs> we're just not paying attention. Let me know. Ryan at the matinee.ca, Twitter, where I'm matinee underscore CA, or Facebook.com. Slash dark matinee. What do you think of um, Hero Mirai's Donald Glover's Guava Island? Come on back right after this. We're going to take a quick break and flip the record over to play on the other side. We'll talk about some more movies right after this. Oh, on a journey, 
We're back. She's Carolyn. I'm Ryan. It's Matt Cast 221. We've been talking about Guava Island. And uh, we're going to get into some other movies, better movies, I dare say, that uh, if you watched uh, Guava Island, you probably would going to. Um, you the guest. Why don't you get us started? If somebody wanted to, uh, to pair this up and see it better um, or see it different, uh, what's a, a movie that they can go on to after? Tamarine Sea, starring Julie Andrews and Omar Sharif, 1974. Okay. Okay. So this one, it has kind of almost the same look visual look so like the like the the cinematography is very similar um how uh, the visual aesthetics of course this is because it's old and it's aged so it looks like you know like the camera and everything the resolution would have changed but it does have that kind of like hazy dreamy look yeah and it looks amazing like i'm looking at stills at it while you're talking and the reason i think that works is because it was filmed i believe in jamaica probably it was filmed in Jamaica, and this was at the time where a lot of films were being done in the Caribbean. So like, you had a lot. Uh, there was a few Bond films, you yeah. know, that were filmed in the Caribbean. Right. And so that's and that one is a it's a love story too. And so this movie looks kind of hot. It's it's really good. my mom loved Omar Sharif. Like, Who doesn't? That that was my mom's. That was my mom. That my mom would have fangirled over him if he would have played <laughs> the, the modern term to it. But uh, yeah, so that's a, literally the first film that came to my head. And it again, film of the Caribbean has a very similar visual aesthetic. It's a it's a romance. Um, better story by this by the sounds of better it. story. The film is about a British home office functionary and a Soviet um, era attaché who are lovers involved in Cold War intrigue. So the Tamarind Sea was the first film produced by Lorimar Productions. The film score is produced by John Barry, based on a novel by Evelyn Anthony. So I'm sure there's going to be some talks to, about, like, um, I haven't watched, I did watch it, but years ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, so yeah. Uh, it's Blake Edwards, too, who is Breakfast at Tiffany's, Days of Wine and Roses, 10, another Caribbean movie, Victor Victoria. Mm -hmm. uh, he did all the Pink Panther movies. Yes, he did Victor Victoria. I, I really want to see this now. Yeah, because um, Julie Andrews was also in Victor Victoria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's amazing in Victor Victoria. And, and, and as I said, like, she, it, it, I, really, holy, I don't know how I'd never heard of this before, but this looks fantastic. I'm so happy that you brought this up. Um, it, it looks like, again, it, it looks like that kind of thing of... A story of a, like a love story where we're actually paying attention to why they're there besides just the fact that they're both pretty yeah you know? like I listen I know why you would like Donald Glover and I know why you would like Rihanna because you have eyes you know but at the same time have a conversation mm -hmm. you know like tell me why you love each other and it, kind of, it looks like on the surface Tamarind Seed is one that gives it a little bit more time um, to do that kind of thing my obvious pull that this movie feels in many ways that it wants to be, but in a way shorter version, um, is Black Orpheus. You ever seen that one? So who does it star? It stars um, Breno Mello and uh, Marpesa Dawn. It's from 1959. Mm -hmm. It was from Brazil. It won um, Best Foreign Film that year. Um, once again, a guy wants to put on a show. Once again, he's got a he's got he's got a lover that's you know trying to to keep him out of trouble. Uh, once again, it's extremely lush. Once again, the party goes on quite some time. There's costumes. There's dancing. Mm -hmm. There's just such gorgeous, gorgeous imagery. And if anybody has never seen Black Orpheus and they watched. Guava Island, just go on and watch it, and you'll you'll be like, 
oh, this is what they're doing. Yeah, I'm looking at the film stills, and it's filmed in uh, Rio de Janeiro, yeah. Carnival. So yeah, yeah I can de I can definitely see some of the similarities. The whole guitar playing with the guitar. Yep, yep. It's and I mean, the thing about Black Orpheus though is Black Orpheus gets real dark. They use the same blue. They have yeah, yeah, blue. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, the the there's a lot of visual imagery that comes back. The the, the playing of the guitar on the on the hillside. Um, you know the the a lot of the ways that they look at each other. The the costumes. The the blue. Um, it because it's got more time and it is. It's not even that long of a movie. It's I want to say it's like a buck forty five, or or it's like it's under two hours. I can tell you that much. Mm -hmm. And it goes to some very dark, very grim places before all is said and done. Um, it gets a little into um, the iconography and I'd say like some of the superstition of, of Caribbean life. And I mean, it's obviously not Caribbean because it's, it's, it's in Brazil, but it gets into like there's, um, there's one character who's dressed as death the whole time. He's in a skeleton costume and yeah. he, he wanders in and out of things and it kind of throws people for a loop. Um, it's got an unbelievably tragic ending like i i got and it's 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 like over and done with so quick but you're just like holy crap i can't believe a movie from like 59 just goes that dark that fast and then you're out um it's an amazing movie uh the, the other cool thing about it is four or five years ago now um the band arcade fire mm, yeah. um when they released reflector uh which i think that was in 2014 um, when they first released it, they put it onto YouTube over top of Black Orpheus. Oh, okay. So that you could watch the visuals of Black Orpheus, but listen to their music. And it, it, you know, like any kind of music, it synced up quite nicely. So if somebody, you know, if they, if they didn't really want to dig into Black Orpheus, you could watch it that way. And it's also very rewarding. But um, I, I, I take it, you, you haven't seen it, right? No, I haven't seen it, but I'm looking at the synopsis on IMDb and it's saying that it's a retelling of the Orpheus and Eurydice myth. Yes. So of course it's gonna have a tragic ending because it's a Greek based off of the Greek I know, tragedy. So but I, somebody I wasn't, gonna die. I didn't, I didn't know that when I got into yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just, you know, I, I didn't know that it was based on the on the Greek myth for sure. I just yeah. Thought, okay. Um, no, I'd, I'd really be interested to see what you think. No, I'll watch it because it, it looks. It, I I don't think I've heard of it, but yeah. Yeah, I did think of one more that um, does a lot of what this movie wants to do and does it better. I thought about once. From 2007, it's an Irish movie, starring Glenn Hensard and uh, Marketa Uglova. It won Best Song that year. I kind of feel like a lot of people may have even forgot about it. It didn't get a very lot of. It didn't get a lot of play. It's mostly known more for its music than it is for the actual. Film. Didn't they do a Broadway play based off that? Yes, they did. Yes, they, they did, did. right? Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they adapted it into a Broadway show, which is the exact same story and the exact same songs too, actually. Yeah. Um, and once is just it's a story. The the characters actually don't even have names. It's just a guy and a girl, um, and they write music together. Oh, he's okay. he's busking on the side of the street. She is uh, selling magazines and selling flowers and mm -hmm. just cleaning houses and whatever she can do to make ends meet. And she hears him busking and she really likes it and they play music and that really works. And he's like, well, let's record something. And, yeah. and, and it's all just about this, this, that's a different kind of relationship that you don't see on film very often because there, there is love there and mm -hmm. there is a connection, but it's never really, that, that's the opposite. That's one where it's like you're looking at each other and, and you know, you're not like 
you're not dropping your pants for each yeah. other. But at the same time, I can tell why you like why each you other, like them, yeah. You know, and what you talk about and what you feel when each other speaks, and it's it's all just so simple, so quick, done. The music is gorgeous. The songs are gorgeous, and it ha it does what Denny and Kofi wanted to do in terms of their connection and that immediacy, but does it better? Yeah. Well, the only thing we the only thing that from my from about Kofi and Denny is she likes him because he sings to her. I guess he makes music about her. They, I mean, you know, he looks like Don Glover, and that doesn't hurt. Yeah. If that does it for you. Maybe. If that's your cup of tea. Um, you know, like, I mean, the other thing we could do in terms of, you know, the other side is this is kind of a um, vanity project visual album type thing. And, and that brings up all kinds of ideas. That mm -hmm. brings up everything from Hard Day's Night to Purple Rain to, you know, Crossroads by Britney Spears yeah. and whatever the Justin Bieber movie was. What do you think of those? Like, you know, you're a music fan and you're a film fan. What do you think about when rock stars want to create films? Is it? Do you think it's just kind of a waste of time? It's them trying to sell their music? Or do you find there's actual... If, if you can learn something about them in the process, and even if it's not about them, but it's them, like Purple Rain, like... We you you get you get us you you know who Prince is watching this film right and and you he like made iconic songs throughout this film but his film is like visually is like visually stunning mm -hmm. and it has like some moments that like you all like there's moments where he's like sitting on the the motorcycle and like you there's moments you can recall mm -hmm. and there's a story but I don't think there's anything wrong with that musicians wanting to do these kind of films but and you don't just find them a commercial to sell their records. Up, yeah, because like they, they that's really their commercial. whole thing. But it's a really good commercial, okay, and okay. it's an entertaining one too, right? Yeah, it yeah. works because like when you're watching films, that's what it is about, right? It is like selling something. You're selling a story. You're selling characters, right? Yeah. But it's all about the why. You're, it's about how you're doing it, how you're gonna sell this this product. Like people, I don't anyone hear this that doesn't know me doesn't know. I love watching K dramas. Okay. And they've been like my TV obsession for like the last year and a half. And I, one thing that stuns me, I, and I've spoken to a few people about this, is how they pro do product placement in these films, okay. in these shows, and in the films. And some of them, they're so sneaky, like they're so subtle, like a watch, a phone, a, a, phone, a, a car, whatever. But then there's some that they're so blatant, like they're holding the cup. And like they're holding a bottle, and you're like, you like the camera's like literally focusing on the label. Like you know, this is a product placement. It's right, like right. I appreciate you doing this because we, as an audience, know that you're selling this product. Yeah. And there's no need to be like sly, sly. Yeah. Like we, and that's that's one of the that's one of the the funny things about it. But it's like it's not annoying because right. it's like this is hilarious. It's like this is a trademark okay. of a Korean drama. Yeah. And like, but it's like to take that on the other spectrum, like a Michael Bay film. Yeah rife with product product placement but i can't stand product placements in his films because it's so it's so it just seems so sleazy and cheesy and it's like all about bear and whatever it's like yeah. oh, what's like do you have a purpose you know what's funny i remember the one that came up that people bring that the people brought up a little while ago was man of steel and how the fight not the, the fight in smallville Every store was a brand. It was like, mm -hmm. here's the IHOP, yeah. and here's the Exxon, and here's you know, here's the Seven Eleven, and whatever. And everywhere you look was a brand. And at the same time, I I remember thinking to myself, have you gone outside lately? Like you don't find Joe's Cafe next to Sally's Gas and Sip next yeah. to you know, like it, everything around us is a brand. 
everything. Like you cannot walk 10 yeah, meters. But it's about how obvious you make it. It is about that. But I think also it's because you want to go to a film to escape. And it takes, and right, because it can take you out of it. That's yeah. sold to. So that, I think that's the delicate line I find with a lot of the Vanity projects is you, you are still just selling your music. Yeah. But you can do it better. You can do what Beyonce did with Lemonade. Yeah. You know, what, what we could see that these people wanted to do with, with Guava Island and make it better. Or you can just find a catchy way to move from song to song to song. Yeah. So I have a, I have a complicated relationship with it, I guess. I, to me, it works at... I, I just say it, it, it has to do with does it take me out of the film? Yeah. Does it does it service the story? Like for instance, if the person if you're talking about um like for instance, I don't think it's right about you. I can't think of any moment where I would have seen a product that would have been no. considered product placement. Yeah. Because then to do that would have actually been like uh that would have like Bit kind of the trail of the whole yeah, premise yeah. of the film. So that's where so if they had done that, then you would have been like, that don't make no sense in yeah. this context. But in other films, like it does make sense. But it's all about the way you're looking at it too. Because like if you were having a fight, like for like they film Batman, mm-hmm. like the there's there are scenes for oh my gosh, no. or Suicide Squad down at Suicide Square. Squad, yeah. And we know as Torontonians, we know that they filmed and like we're wasting it because we know. Say so you're watching these films, you're like, oh, I know this location, but. The difference is they remove signs yeah. that let you know that this is a Toronto, that yeah. this is filmed in Toronto, right? Yeah. And but if they had kept some of those things, you'd be like, that don't make no sense. Yeah. Like, why am I seeing this? Why am I seeing a Tim Hortons? <laughs> why? Why are Why, why are Batman Superman? Exactly. Yeah. Why are Batman and Superman fighting outside Tim Hortons? Yeah. Like that doesn't exist <laughs> in this in this universe. You know, like anything. So uh, it all has to do. With, does it fit the story? Does it fit the Does it fit the narrative? How is it being sold? Yeah. How is it being presented? Like that's that's where it could work, and it cannot work yeah. again. And just sometimes, is it fun? Like, I think that's the thing, too, is that we would probably be singing a very different tune if Guava Island was a lot more fun. It seems to take itself so seriously. It could have been, again, I think the fun parts were supposed to be, like, the music, because at the end, like, the music festival was supposed to be fun. Yeah. But then... But we're overdone with that in, like, five minutes. Yeah, because, like, the from the time hey, Black Orpheus, if you want to see a festival, watch Black Orpheus. Yeah. That's a whole, like... 30-minute affair. Yeah. That, that's like the, the the wedding scene in The Godfather is, is the whole festival of Black Orpheus. You're there for a while. You're there as, as long as the Barbados festival that lasts the entire month of August. Yeah, but the thing is, is like, okay, so for instance, you have the festival at the end and Rihanna's like, we, we got our day. Yeah. But we saw that day for like, what, 30 seconds? Yeah, yeah. The shot lasted like 30 seconds yeah. and like, if, like, give us a little bit more time with them in that day. Yeah. Like you know what I mean, and then like there's an ending like she's taught she's reading to their to their daughter, again that does remind me strictly of Black Panther, but I wanted to see her talking to the child. Yeah, yeah. Show her reading to the child. Yeah. Or if she's telling just telling the story from things, show her, we'll, and then we'll let you sell your record. Show her on the show her on the beach telling the story to her daughter. Why am I seeing just a black screen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they, like there, that's just, that to me. Yeah. That's like your your only get your your importance to the story only relates. That's how it relates to to him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, there we go. That's an awful lot about an awful lot. It's episode two hundred twenty one of the Matinee Cast. I'd love to thank Carolyn for coming by. Uh, come on back Monday, May six for episode two twenty two. Um, I'm pretty sure we're going to discuss her smell. Everybody will have been avengered out by then, so mm. we're going to talk about some other movies that uh, you can find a little bit further down the hall at the multiplex. Um, Carolyn's got all kinds of stuff coming up, so plug where people can find uh, your your wares. You can find me on Twitter at CarrieCNH12. I write, I have 
published articles on sci-fi.com, The Root, um, blackgirlnerds.com, which I no longer write for, but I have a lot of work on there. Um, and you said you, you were telling me before, you've got some stuff coming up. I have some stuff coming up, but my latest, my last interview was for... Um, horror noir mm. and i spoke to the director xavier bergen that's on npr.org you can read the interview there i also interviewed the director jesse b johnson for triple threat which was an action film starring Iko Uwes, tony ja and tiger chan and i also wrote the review for um masters the in my legacy that's on but why though podcast on the but why though podcast.com community which is also which also hosts my podcast so here's what happens that i co-host with lanisha campbell and on saturday nights you can find me on twitter um with the hashtag hashtag saturday night sci-fi where we live tweet sci-fi shows of different genres and i say that for a very specific reason every saturday night 10 p.m eastern the last one we did was um Ultraman, which was a Japanese anime. That is a that is that is a lot. As I said, <laughs> you find this woman everywhere and everywhere you can find her. Please follow. Please read. Um, thank you so much for coming by and, and read her work. You love a guy. Um, my site is matinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to matinee.ca/podcast, and you can find them on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, Apple's podcast app, Pocket Cast, the iTunes Store, everywhere you find a podcast. It is there, and if it is not there, let me know. I will put it there. Um, everything gives you ways to subscribe for free, and you'll when new episodes drop. Be back on Guava Island, or any of the films we talked about, or anything else that we talked about, can be left in the comments section of the site. You can email me, ryan at the matinee.ca, or Twitter, ryan matinee underscore ca. Finally, facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Any final thoughts? Watch Train Busan. <laughs> I love that film. I don't care. I'll always promote uh, it. <laughs> for Carolyn, I'm Ryan. We'll see you in the matinee. <laughs>